Our scripture lesson tonight comes from the fourth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. We begin reading tonight with the fourth verse. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I want us just to reflect for a few moments tonight about when Christ came into the world. We all know that he came into the world and what Paul has described he accomplished. Before Christ came, we were all under the judgment of the law. The law informed us of our sin. It informed us of the penalties of that sin, but the world was subjected to futility, as Paul says in another place, because we could not escape the consequences of breaking God's holy law. We were in bondage to the law, and yet there seemed to be no freedom. Christ came into the world to fulfill that law. You see, the terms of the Old Testament when you study the law is that it is a legal contract that can only be canceled when the law is fulfilled. And all of us since Adam have been sinners and we sin and broke the law and could not fulfill it. Therefore, its penalty remained in effect. But when Christ came and kept the law perfectly, He never broke a single law of God. The law was fulfilled. And while the law still informs us what pleases God and what does not, and we strive to please God, that law no longer stands in judgment over those who believe in Jesus Christ. I will not suffer for my sin. And why? Because the perfect Lamb of God suffered in my place. He kept the law perfectly, and he kept it and paid my and your sin debt because he who was innocent died under the penalty of the law. He took on our unrighteousness to himself, He who was righteous suffered the penalty of those who have sinned. Marvelous, isn't it? And so I want to focus for a a moment now upon this concept of when the time was right. A few weeks ago in our Bible study, as we've been studying the Gospel of John, uh, John also gives indication in the first part of the chapter of of the time of fulfillment. You know, we say, boy, things really came together 
And we mean usually that by luck. But when Paul speaks of the time being exactly right, he is not speaking of luck. He is not speaking of chance. You see, our God, our true and living God, the only God there is, the God of the Holy Bible, is an omniscient God. What does that mean? It means that he is an all-knowing God. In his understanding, the past is as present as the, pa- as the present, and the present is as past as the past. God is never taken by surprise. And God understands completely the situation of, of the world and, and, and how conditions are. And from the beginning of time, God has known how conditions and situations would develop. Around 1 A.D., the time was right. God looked out upon the world and he knew that there were men and women truly struggling for righteousness. Not the righteousness to be approved by man, but but to, to be righteous before God. He knew that time was present in a way that it had not been present before. He knew that the situation upon the earth was one of turmoil and burdens and and people you know we listen more quickly when we're in trouble than when we are not and the vast majority of the world both Greek and Jew were struggling spiritually there was also a common language over the known world that had not been present since the time of Babel You see, most everyone in the world, in the Roman world at least, could speak the common Greek language. Not always Latin, the official language, but the common language. And there was a system of roads that enabled travel. You know, we we get on our cars and we just take our roads for granted, don't we? You can tell some people really take them for granted by the way they drive. I learned that lesson last night. <laughs> I've never passed anybody in the fog, much less at 60 miles an hour past them, but that happened last night. I hope they got where they were going. I didn't see any wrecks. But the, there was a common network of highways that enabled you to go from anywhere in the Roman Empire to Rome. And furthermore, in most places, these roads are relatively safe. There was a common coinage. You didn't have to exchange. You didn't have to exchange money every time you crossed the border. So many things to accentuate travel and communication. But God knew all of these things, and He knew the time was right. So I hope you see that Christ was sent into the world intentionally by the Father in a specific time to enable the spreading of the gospel. And it was marvelous the way it spread. A message that changed lives 
and changed hearts then. So many events come to mind to give testimony to that. Perhaps none more than the man who was blind and the apostles healed. And his testimony was this. All I know is this, that I once was blind, but now I see. And he told them of Jesus and of his healing power. And when they criticized this lowly man who'd always been a beggar because he had to beg, he was blind. He confronted the officials and said, well, perhaps you too would like to follow Jesus. A boldness came into his heart because his life had been changed. Of course, the, the officials had him whipped and threw him out in the streets, but that didn't change anything. He went ahead and testified to the goodness of Jesus. People were longing. You know, today, as we begin this Advent season, we need to remember, too, tonight, that there are many still in bondage. Many still enslaved. And we usually think of drugs and alcohol. That's, a, that's an enslaving thing. But, but we are enslaved, many people today, I think it's perhaps the greatest enslavement of all, is the belief that money and material things are the solution to their unhappiness and to their basic desire for a true quality in life. That too is bondage. I remember one time that uh, that some of you may not anybody here remember. John Cameron Swayze. Does anybody? Is there? All right, raise your hands. I see. I see. These are the old people. <laughs> Just in case you wanted, these are the old people. He was uh, uh, one of the major newsmen before Walter Cronkite, before any of them. Shortly after uh, the uh, uh, TV began to come on, actually, it was very early. But I remember him re interviewing a, a, one of the wealthiest men in America one time, and he asked him, how much money is enough? And that man was honest. He says, there's never enough. You see, the reason there's never enough money is money cannot satisfy the real needs of your heart. Bondage. The person in bondage is in the service of another. But Jesus will set them free. He will set anyone free from whatever is enslaving them. I rejoice tonight that we begin the Advent season as believers knowing that that God in the rightness of time sent his son to save us. I rejoice tonight to know that we are free. 
We are not foolish to think that anything in the world solves our need except a true living faith relationship with Jesus Christ. And as I alluded to this morning, we know that in him we have all things. You see, it is the believer in Christ alone who has all things. It is the believer in Christ alone who has that most precious thing that we know someday we will stand in the presence of God, every one of us. In fact, every human being in the world is going to stand in the presence of God. Do you know that? It's going to be a terrible and awesome day when the world and all of its philosophies will know without a doubt they have erred and erred to their demise. But we know as believers that on that terrible day of the Lord, we need not be anxious. I want to close by lifting up to you the fulfillment, the fulfillment that happened because God chose the right time to send his son to die upon the cross to forgive us our sins. And when we come to faith, when we come to faith in Christ, redeemed from the law, Paul says, in other words, we're no longer subject to the law's penalty of death. Redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons, and I would add as daughters will. God in sending Christ Jesus to die on the cross move you from being regarded just as a mere creature and creation of God to being regarded as a adopted child of God with all the blessings of the Son of God. Think of that. Think of that. That you and I are now the adopted children of God. That's who you are. Now, W. Sanders was my earthly father. Praise God for him. But my true father is the sovereign God who created all things, who controls all things, who ultimately owns all things. That's my father. My father who is rich in mercy and grace. That's my father. And being adopted, he says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, that's the Lord Jesus spirit, into your hearts, crying out, Abba. Father, and I think most of you know that that term Abba is a very special term. It defines our relationship with God. Abba is the Aramaic term for daddy. I grew up in an old-fashioned family. Now, I mean, they were so formal, my parents. I never heard my mother or father refer to, anybody, to anyone outside the immediate family by referring to first names. Now, that's an old custom passed away, I know. 
But my mother would always would say, Mr. Sanders thinks so-and-so. Or my father would say, well, that is for Mrs. Sanders to decide. That very formal kind of thing. You see, we, though, would refer to our parents as mama and daddy. And that, that's what that term Abba's carrying with it, the Im, Im, intensely intimate, intensely intimate relationship that we have with God. Ray, so many times I've heard you talk of your father, and, and I notice at times you tear up just like when I think of my father. And it's wonderful, and all of you who've had a father that loved you and was so close to you know exactly what I'm talking about. That sense of intimacy, that sense of love, that sense of assurance. And, and our earthly fathers uh, were imperfect. They had imperfections. But we t must learn to realize that our relationship with God is exactly like that of an intimate relationship with a perfect daddy. I am thankful that just when the time was right, you know, God didn't have to send his son. He didn't have to send his son, you know that? Some people say, well, why does God allow some people to be saved and some people to be lost? I said, it's his mercy and grace. The just thing would have been, the right thing would have been, would have let us all be lost. I am thankful that just in the right time, God sent his son. And it was a time when the message would not be limited to a small place, but spread over to the world, even finally to us. Advent celebrates the coming of the fullness of time in God's sovereign plan to redeem you and me and all who would believe. That's what it's about. Advent is a time where we reflect deeper and deeper upon God's coming into the world in his son and what that means for us. It's a time for us to grow and to reflect and to be enriched and to rejoice that we live in the time that follows when the time was exactly right. I promise you, friends, if you will, pray. Ask God to help you to turn away from the false joys of the time. We know what it is. Let me tell you, all this stuff about on the television about having a happy Christmas by getting presents and this is what you want, uh, most of us can't remember if, if, if we were, a gun were held to our heads what we got for last Christmas. I mean, we're so awash with material blessings. But the world wants to tempt you away from grasping a deeper hold on the meaning of Christ's coming. And we know who's behind that, don't we? The last thing the devil wants is for us to grasp deeply 
and this is for believers too, grasp deeply what the coming of the Lord means. Hopefully, there are people that we know and love. I'm praying for so many for whom this will be the right time. That God will bring together their things in their life, even as he brought things together in the life of the whole world, that it will be the right time for them. For I remind you that the message of the cross is also a message of redemption. You know that? It's a message of you being saved. And those here tonight who believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for their sins, and that he rose victorious for them, and that he reigns with the Father in heaven, and that he's coming again. There's another advent, you know. And that'll be when the time's right. But we see that as redemption. But we must also always remember that those who will not receive him, the cross stands as judgment. The time is right for any who have not received him, truly received him. People often say, sometimes I get criticized for, for talking about, do you really have faith? Well, you know if you really have faith or not. You know in your heart. You know in your heart if you really have the deposit that Paul is talking about of the spirit of the son in you, that he is truly your hope and desire. You and I don't know that about you. I only know it about myself. If not, tonight is the right time to say, yes, I, I want him as my Lord and Savior. And, and please, I'll float around the while after church and... Uh, if you want to make that decision tonight, that's great. But God sent his son to save us when the time was right. He's a marvelous God. He's a marvelous God. I'm glad our God knows all things, aren't you? I'm glad our God controls all things, aren't you? And I'm glad that he loved us lost sinners, that at the right time, he sent his son into the world. Amen.